Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. My name is Micah McCaw. My name is Jordan McCaw. And together we are married people, and we, to each other, as previously, I don't know, uh, but we do this podcast, and, and the ready, podcast We're about is, to record our most uncomfortable one yet. Well, I don't know if it's uncomfortable. It's I'm uncomfortable just, right now. Oh, really? Why are you so uncomfortable? Because of this mic, and I have to talk and lean forward like this the whole time. Yeah, so um, for those of you who don't know, we kind of loan out, um, well, we, we, we borrow. We loan out. <laughs> no, yeah, we borrow equipment from uh, Jeremy Oliveira, and when we do that, sometimes we're at the mercy of where he has put certain mics and stuff. So this time we're on different mics and different stands, and it's not totally ideal. But, I but think we appreciate him letting we, us borrow it. Yeah, yeah, and that, that is great. Sometimes the timing just doesn't work out. But um, I guess all of that to say that uh, we do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. And the more the more we get, the more we don't have to rely on other people's equipment. <laughs> and I think you were about to say this before I cut you off. Uh, okay. This podcast is about us covering movie franchises. Yes, they got to have three or more. Uh, just, you know, it's nice to rehash it every once in a while. And, and we right are now, on 22. This is the 20th Marvel movie. 20th? Yes, and it's Ant-Man and the Wasp. And, uh, wow, I hate this movie. I think it's horrible. I think it's the worst movie in the universe. Agreed. Uh, not not like the worst movie in our universe, the but universe. the Marvel universe. Um, my, it, it is the second to least, uh, second to last of the worst movies we've covered. The first being Fantastic Four that we did for the Halloween special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this one's right there. I'd rather watch Shrek the third than watch this movie again. Yes. Yes. But Shrek three is real bad too. So we've covered some stinkers. Incredible Hulk's pretty bad. Thor one and two pretty bad, but th- they're kind of more watchable than this one. Yeah. This one is just like so oh, incredibly so boring. I'd rather watch Thor. Yeah. And I really didn't like them. Most of, besides Ragnarok. Right. Right. Which, you know, you could go back to our catalog and listen to those. Um, I think kind of, kind of when we finished this movie, both, both the time we saw it in theaters, we were like full back into Marvel. We'd seen infinity war and we were like, I thought to myself, okay, they've done the first Ant-Man movie. I hated it, but now they're going to correct and they're going to have fun with it. And the movie just doesn't have fun. It doesn't land. And when it does try to have fun, it's really, um, it's not like Guardians of the Galaxy where you're like, man, this is just a kinetic movie that it, has this it sucks life behind like, it. Sure, I would love Ant-Man to be fun. Because I, I, I he's so fun in Avengers. Yeah, and they, they they capture it really well in Avengers, so it's like, you know it's there. Also, it's, it's because all the like the main Guardians are like pretty intense. We, d- we do need another fun one. That's mm-hmm. not that's like low stakes feeling and all that. Yeah. And then it's just this big swing and a miss. And um I think this gets at like this this is the movie that I would say uh cements the argument of like, oh, I don't like superhero movies. You know? Like mm-hmm. if, if you if this is the movie you watch, then yeah, you don't like superhero movies. Because yeah. it's it's so predictable. It's a bunch of other movies combined into one um, with not really an interesting take on the genre at all. And it's just not good. But speaking of it, this movie's directed by Peyton Reed, who directed the first Ant-Man movie. It's produced by Kevin Feige. And we get an and on the producer. 
Uh, it's produced by Steven Brossard, who also did uh, Doctor Strange, Iron Man 3, for the first Avengers movie, and Hulk. Okay. Written by Chris McKenna, who wrote uh, Far From Home, Jumanji 2, Homecoming, Lego Batman, and Community. Some episodes of Community. It's crazy. Yeah. That's so crazy. And uh, he works with Eric Summers, who uh, has those same um, list of things. Paul Rudd is one of the writers. And then there's another writing pair, and it's Andrew Barrier and Gabriel Ferrari. And um, I didn't notice anything that they... So I, I didn't recognize anything that they had written. Were those guys listed first? The first people were Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. So like, does that mean that Somers. they probably wrote most of it? I don't know how that like, breaks The writing down. thing really confuses me. Like, have most of the Marvel movies had this many writers on a movie? Usually they have at least two. Some of okay, them have three or four. Probably just an example of way too many writers. I did see, like, I, I hear that and I'm like, oh, they just couldn't decide on anything. That's yeah, why I, they kept getting people like, what's your version of Ant-Man and the Wasps? And they just take a little bit from everyone's script and this is the movie we have. Right, because you'd imagine, like, Chris, Chris and Eric come in and they're like, here's our take. He, um, there, we want to go get the mom from the first movie. And then like Paul Rudd comes in and he's like, Oh, I have some ideas. And he brings them to the table. And then Andrew and Gabriel are like, Oh, what if we add ghost girl into this movie? I imagine that. I don't know that for sure. Um, the research I did on this movie, uh, was very much like the movie there was nothing that interesting to talk about yeah which is almost worse because with ant-man one there was so much um tumultuousness that happened on yeah on the set not on set but i mean like production the production and this one the movie plays when you watch it it really looks like either the producers like cut a bunch of stuff or the director like just like wasn't able to do his vision or something. It it feels like something really bad in the production happened to make such a mediocre movie. It but feels like everything it, I read was like was like Peyton Reed is like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I get a return. Can't wait to provide some more background to hope. Can't wait to provide this. Can't wait to do that. Yeah, but you know, you if that's an actual quote that you read where he's talking about how excited he is, that's all before everything happened. So they're now they're working on this movie and they're like, okay. The time that you guys thought that you had to make this movie, it is cut in half. I don't know if that's true, well, but that's how it feels. That That is how it feels, but in my reading, I was reading quotes from pre-production, production, and post-production, and they were all like so excited and ecstatic. I mean, maybe this movie just fell through the cracks. There's 23 of them. Yeah. They can't all be great or even no. good, I guess. Um, how did it do, though? Well, um, I'm not there yet. I'm still going through the notes. Um the score is by Christoph Beck, who did the score for Frozen. Beck, yeah, sure. The, the Muppets movie, the Peanuts movie, the Hangover movies. And I think the score is a big thumbs down for me. It is not good. It, it's not a good score. Yep. Uh, cinematography, Dante Spinotti, who did Public Enemies, X-Men 3, and After Sunset. What's, oh, the... The oh wait, those are later movie? No, those are before movies. So I'm not sure what After Sunset is. I'm gonna look it up. But um, Who's it's calling you. My sister. After Sunset is a movie with Pierce Brosnan. Oh okay. What 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 is? He's some thief. When did it come out? Nine. Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Okay. Uh, production. It's got Cheadle in it. Oh okay. And Woody. Woody. And Catherine. Who? 
Harrelson? Oh, yeah. Catherine who? <laughs> oh, no. Salma Hayek, who I often get mixed up with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh, okay. And Naomi Harris, who gets really big in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, okay. Um, so it's produced by Marvel Studios, distributed by Walt Disney. The movie comes out July 6, 2018. And then now to answer your question... Domestically, the movie does $216,648,740. Worldwide, it does $622,674,139. Wait, what was the budget again? Uh, I didn't see that, and now oh. I have to look up the budget. But well, that's okay. You don't have to. It's, um, I don't know. It does really middle of the road. I mean, they made a profit. They always make a profit. It, but it sounds like they didn't make as much of a profit as usual, maybe. No, it's in like the bottom six, I think, so of the whole universe. What did critics think think of this movie? Um, Much like all of them, it's in the green. Like people, like Metacritic, it's in green. Hmm. Like in the 60s, I think. Uh, 162 million production. Okay. Uh, so this is, here's my, I only have three interesting facts about this movie. Because okay. like I said... It's just Peyton Reed, which is really cool. He's just like so passionate about it. But I just don't, all the quotes were not interesting to me because I didn't feel like the things he's talking about that were like exciting to him. I don't feel like those translate to the movie. Okay. Uh, so the Quantum Tunnel was the largest set that has been in an MCU movie, like the largest physical set. Even bigger than Endgame? The largest physical set. Most of that stuff's like green screen and stuff like that. So th that was like, that's an actual set i guess um that's just a quote and this came out before endgame so maybe there's something i can't think of anything that's as big as that though in oh, the i movie. saw a set in endgame that looked really big i mean there was still green screen but of what wasn't green screen i was actually surprised oh you like the in battle right yeah yeah, yeah i was surprised how like a lot of that was looked um yeah i'm just i thought all of that was cg when i mm -hmm. saw the movie just good cg a lot of it isn't um so much talk of uniqueness and getting into the meat of the characters. Oh, that, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Skip that. Um, and then my final note is Peyton Reed is returning to direct the third Ant-Man movie. So Bummer, man. Yeah, that's the production. And listener, this might be a short episode because I don't have much to say about this crappy movie. What do you want to say? We also have Lawrence Fishburne. Also, this is the first time I'm saying this. We didn't <laughs> pause it. Yeah, we didn't have to pause it and replace <laughs> um, a chord. We have Lawrence Fishburne, who plays Goliath. Mm -hmm. He is in Matrix and John Wick, among yes. thousands of other things. Thousands, huh? Did you count them? No. Okay. That's how it feels, though. It does. And he's he's good. He's great. I love, I love Fishburne. Like, he's, he's phoning it in on this performance, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um. Then we have... Hannah John Kamen, who plays Ava or Ghost. Oof. She has also been in Radio Player One, Black Mirror, Killy Joys, and apparently, oh yeah, she is. She's in Game of Thrones or Nella for okay. those who listen to this who might have seen that show. So while before you get to the next person, can we bring up our discussion that we had back with Hella? Why can't the MCU do good girl villains? What is up with I that? Know. I mean, and this one, it feels like the motive should be there. Oh, no, not really, because she's just kind of mad for what seems like no reason. I know she's in pain, but I mean, it just seems like, oh, if you just maybe work with these scientists, they'll help you. They seem to be pretty nice people. Um, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. I want I want a good girl villain. I. <laughs> yep. 
Then we have Michelle Pfeiffer. The Fife's. Um, she before this movie, 2017. Before this movie, yeah, it was kind of a big year for her. Okay, uh, she's in Murder Murder on the Orient Express. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that horrible, horrible performance. Who is she? She's just one of the people on the train, and and she does the big long monologue at the end of the movie explaining that they all did it. Oh my gosh, what a ho- that is a very good bad movie to watch because that movie. I don't know. It's just boring though. It's not that entertaining. I mean, Preston and I found it pretty entertaining. That's like a good. It's so bad. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump forward. Yeah, keep going, keep going. She's also in Mother. Mother, yes. Scare that. I like her performance in that movie. She's also in a, a TV movie with Robert De Niro called Wizard of Lies, and it must be about Bernie Madoff because. Oh, okay. She's Ruth Madoff. Okay. Name Bernie. Yeah, Bernie Madoff. Yeah. Okay. And then where is Kyra, which I've never heard of. But it's got Kiefer Sutherland in it. Uh-huh. Where's he been? Where have you been, Kiefer? He 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 was um in that show that was on ABC, I think, um called Designated Survivor or something like that, where like the president and everyone else dies. No, and- dude, do movies. You don't have to do TV anymore. He's a TV guy. I though. know he is, but he's been in some good movies. He has, but I I think that? he never broke through the the mold of that really. Well, I mean, it's gonna kill me because I gotta find out what it is. Uh, phone booth. No, it's one of his. It's an early Kiefer Sutherland role. Uh, oh, oh, is it the vampire movie? Yeah, what's it called? Uh, the Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. I have not seen that. No. <laughs> it's, I mean, I remember. I've only seen it once, and mm-hmm. it was because my mom really liked it. Yeah. And uh, that seems like a Tammy movie. I mean, it is just a huge blast from the past. Yeah. It is such an entertaining movie. I don't remember if it's good or not, but gosh darn it, I'd watch that movie again. Gosh darn it, if it's not fun. And then we also have Walton Goggins, who plays a role in this movie. I'm doing a lot of back. Oh, what is the name of his character? Sonny Birch. Sonny he Birch. Says a, he does say it a lot in the yeah. movie. Um, he, he's also, he's in Lincoln. He is oh, yeah. in The Hateful Eight. Uh, Django. Django. Yeah. He, and um, other, among other things. So he, I, I feel like Lincoln, on, I mean, I'm sure he's been in other stuff before that. But I feel like Lincoln on, it's been, he has been like a little gem in anything he's been in. Oh, yeah. And you always remember him. Well, and he is, he is, when used properly, he's the kind of guy where, you know, when you're at a restaurant and you get a dish and you're not sure of everything that's in there and you go, whoo, this is a little bit spicy, but it's like the good kind of spice. Like, I didn't realize the dish was going to be spicy, but I'm into this. That's Walton Goggins. That's Walton Goggins. He also looks... Goggins. He reminds me of Jim Carrey a lot. Oh, I see it. Yeah. A lot. They could be brothers in a movie. They could be. Why aren't they? Uh, Let's get that on our... Let's put that on the slate of our first ever Macabre Podcast Universe movie. It's going to be them two. I don't want to work with Jim Carrey. Oh. I know. He's in an odd place right now. Yep. Um, Is that what you got? Yep. Let's jump into the plot of this movie. Fine. So the movie starts with narration by Michael Douglas. Oh, wait. Can I just jump in with something? Please. It's, it's, it pertains to all of this. I'm sure it does. Something that I feel like they could have done better on throughout this series is... Well, uh, for the listener, I'm just nodding. I don't know what she's going to say. I'm just nodding my head because I'm like, yep, if it involves this movie, it could have been better. Well, <laughs> Civil War is about the Sokovia Accords. Yes. Which affects everyone we've dealt with in this series yeah so i i feel like the, post everything that movie i feel like they could have done a better job at like 
um, reminding us that that happened beyond saying Sokovia. Because mm. sometimes that's all they say. I like And this. there are so many movies and there are so many names that sometimes it's been like, is that a person or a place or a th- what? That's I don't know what that really is. a really good point, Jordan. Because like in this movie, uh, Michael Douglas and Hope, I almost called her Faith. <laughs> um, you just know that they're like really upset and not on speaky ter- speaking terms with Paul Rudd. And you're just like, how did the and last you find out like end? 30 minutes in why they're mad it, you, it takes you so long and then you find out like it's because of so like the sokovia courts and how it basically has affected them yeah and the choices they've made because of it but it's like you they just could have done that why didn't they say that earlier i mean they just didn't they didn't even say sokovia at that time they just said they weren't on speaking terms which like makes i don't know if anyone else felt this way but it's like did the la- last movie end like really poorly between them because i know when, i was confused when he in civil war when ant-man goes to germany like michael douglas and faith or <laughs> hope. and hope are like have no they're not in the movie all. they're not in the so movie you just at all. don't even think that because it's at the end of ant-man it's like he's ant-man like that is his suit now like that yeah. is the that's just what you think. So him going to Germany and doing that, it's like, yeah, it's Ant-Man. And yeah. they like Falcon thought to get him. Yeah. And it all lines up. It makes, makes sense. sense. So then in this movie, you find out like Michael Douglas is all like, that's not your suit. You took the suit and it's not yours and all this stuff. And it's like, I thought you guys were like all buds by the end of that movie. Yeah. And like, and it's like he earned the suit. Also. The, so the, the, the one thing I will say though, to counter, to counter your point, kind of devil's advocate is they do do a good job of showing some consequences because he's on parole for the movie because of the Sokovia Accords. I, it took me like 15 minutes to figure that out. Absolutely agree with you. But they did they did actually have a little bit of consequence, which is kind of nice. But the, the whole hope and um, whatever his name is, Hank Pym thing, yeah. is like, it doesn't really make well, a lot the of thing, sense. So it's like, yeah, he's on house arrest. And for me, maybe I just need to pay attention more or something. Maybe people are just like listening to this right now and they're like come on it's so obvious but like we've been watching these in pretty close succession and and in all the other succession the tv show on hbo (laughs) Uh, (laughs) sidebar this show rules okay sidebar over but i i think that like you and i have picked up on a lot of stuff we miss and we go oh that's so cool and this time you're turning to me and you're like wait, what is going on? And I go, well, I don't the, know. And then they say it, and I'm not like, oh, the Sokovia Accords, that's cool. I'm like, well, it's oh, confusing whatever. I don't that care. He, the movie starts and he is on house arrest. Yeah. And it, I, oof, oof, I can't think. But it's just like, well, okay, he's he's like a cat burglar. Maybe he slipped up. Right. Or, right. I mean, it's that, that's the first thing I think of. I don't think of what he did to, like how the Sokovia Accords are continuing to affect him. Mm-hmm. Was he on Captain America's? Oh, he was because Falcon was. So I, I understand that like, yeah, so technically he was against the Sokovia Accords. So he is in trouble for that. I get it. Yeah. But they got to say more than Germany. Yeah. Because most people don't ever like know that that's where that fight took place. Also, it's kind of weird because remember at the end of Civil War, not to go too far in the weeds in this, but at the end of Civil War, they put the people they captured in that prison in the ocean. But he gets house arrest? Good point, man. Good point. I don't get that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't, yeah. I I think that a lot of stuff happened off screen slash they, in this movie, they really relied on you remembering those things. When not not only has it been movies since that, it has also been time. It's been two, three years, I think, since Civil War No one's rewatching Ant-Man. (laughs) <laughs> Unless they're doing it for a podcast. So no one's going to remember how that movie ended. 
Yes. Okay, have we finished the Sokovia? I think so. Okay. I th- that was a really good point, though, that I totally didn't even think about. Uh, good job, Jordan. Love you. <laughs> you. I love you, too. <laughs> okay, so the movie starts with Michelle Pfeiffer de-aged, because this movie has an obsession with de-aging all the actors. I'd say the franchise. Yeah, yeah, but this one has three separate ones. Because uh, it's got it's got Lawrence Fishburne, her, oh, and Michael yeah. Douglas, and I'm like, okay, we get it. Didn't, wasn't Amon the first movie to do de aging too? I think it was. Um, yeah, so they they're doing that, and uh, you see Michelle Pfeiffer's going out, and then it's the old Ant Man and the Wasp, and they say, stop the nuclear bomb f- that they oh, yeah. already talked about in Ant Man One. Now, right away, you're thinking, okay, the plot is they're gonna go get the mother in the quantum realm. That's a cool plot to a movie. I like that. Maybe stick to that one thing instead of adding the two other things that they're going to add. You know, you because know why? Because that would have been cool. You know why? Because it's like, so the first movie, you, you introduce these characters and they do change. Like mm-hmm. that a story, they have to change because it's a story. The second movie really gives them the opportunity to dive in to them as a person. But yeah. because they have this ghost dumb thing happening, it doesn't allow them to fully explore these characters. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Let, can I throw a pitch at you? Yeah. This is this would have been a better movie and way more fun. So the movie is like, which I've kind of pitched with you, but I have a more clear idea. So it starts with that. And we don't do the narration because the narration at the beginning of the movie is so expository, but not in a good way. Yeah. It is like, we get it. I'm seeing the images. You don't have to explain them. Like, yeah. shut up. But um, the movie is... Hope and um, Hank come to Scott and they're like, we got to get mom. We, we, we think she's in there. And he goes, okay. And him and Hope go in. Scott and Hope go into the quantum realm and two thirds of the movie, they're in the quantum realm and it is in an adventure fantasy movie. All uh, like journey to the center of the earth kind of stuff. Like really weird, weird creatures. And they have to use their powers to fight like creatures, not people. Something we have not really seen in the universe that sounds so interesting to me. And then they're getting there. They're you like, you know how we know it works because of guardians. Yeah. You can do weird stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, so they're doing that and then they get like beaten down or whatever. And then Hank Pym standing out there. That's the original Ant-Man, like comic book, Hank Pym. That's the guy. He's like, you know what? I got to get in the suit and get in there and help him. So you have the like fan moment oh, where like cool. he yeah. puts on the suit, he goes in and he saves him and finds his wife. And that's the movie. And then you've introduced the quantum realm so that you can do that for um, Endgame without making it a trailer for Endgame like in this movie, how they're like, yeah. pay attention. You have to know this because of Endgame, but for no other reason do you need to watch this movie. That uh, would have been such a fun Holy crap, movie. Micah. That's a really good idea. Kevin? Kevin, are you listening? <laughs> uh, and even even if, or even if they wanted to mess with like the quantum realm being time travel, maybe they have to go back and there's like dinosaurs they have to fight or something cool like that. Yeah, I don't that's know. So freaking cool! Like anything, anything that's weird. But this movie, it's like they settled on doing a comedy heist movie. But once again, like Ant Man one, they don't commit to the comedy and they don't commit to the heist. So it's just a, a wish-washy, boring movie. And they focus way too heavily on the science. Oh, my god! When they're dealing with theoretical things. Yes. They're trying to, it's like they're trying to make theoretical things fact. Yes. And, and yeah. Yeah. For well, science fiction, it's just 
kind of boring. It's really boring. And another thing I'm going to throw out, and then we're just going to speed through the plot. But another thing is the movie, the way the cinematography is so incredibly boring. And there's a lot of Marvel movies where the cinematography is not that interesting. But this one is like, the shots are just... They they don't have like a they don't look like a movie. This one this is the movie that really looks like it should be airing on TV. Yeah, it does not look like a movie. Yeah, and the um the shots are not wide enough. The, it's not artistic enough. And then the other thing is they do this thing that I finally noticed, and this is why I think the acting in the movie looks so bad. Is every single conversation in the movie has one to four reaction shots where actors are just like looking and they're kind of smirking or something Mm -hmm. and you're like yeah you don't have to show me every single time that they're reacting like be selective with those so they actually have power Mm -hmm. like spielberg does reactions all the time but it's it's to accent something not just to show an actor like smirking for no reason reaction shots are so important they're so important but But if you overuse them yeah (sighs) calm down okay so we have the beginning and then we go to paul rudd at home oh, hanging oh, out with his daughter hanging out with his daughter in a pretty cool fort i have to say yeah it's kind of fun you find out that um oh, what's that guy's name what's his friend's name uh michael pena i don't that's, know the that's, character who, that's who i'm trying to remember okay name. okay michael so michael pena you find out that like throughout this whole time paul rudd and him have started a, a surveillance like a security surveillance company that's fun you sure yeah, uh, could have used it more, I think. Um, so they started the surveillance company, which is so funny. I don't really know how house arrest works or anything, but I always think of things like, how is he paying for anything right yeah. now? And then to me, it's like, cool, they took care of that question that always pops into my head. Oh, yeah, because like the business is going under? No, just that he has income, period. Like he has to be at home, but he oh, can still work. Yes, It's just yeah, a, they did a actually... nitpicky thing that, I, that always something I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. So they've started a business together. Um, so he, and he's on house arrest and like life seems pretty normal for him. Fun even. Fun because he gets to see his daughter probably on weekends or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the only thing is, is that he's just really bored and obviously he is not talking to Hank or hope, which means he can't do any Ant-Man stuff. Yeah. But how could he, because he's under house arrest too. Well, and they, they do a raid, the FBI does a raid of his house because his ankle monitor went out of a fence. And then this guy shows up who's the best performance of the movie. Oh, totally. Totally. He's so good. But he basically does this. He goes, hi, Scott, and the audience who's watching this movie. Here's what happened uh, up from Civil War to now. Let me tell you about it in a minute and a half. And it's just like so unnatural. And he's funny. But he is funny. Like, he makes up for it because oh, no, he's yeah, so that's funny. Oh, no, yeah, that's the expository thing. But it's like everything in this movie is just like exposition after exposition. And you're like, how much information do I have to retain? Yeah, definitely. He's the, funny, though. He's very funny. He gets the best performance from me, besides me Tim Heidecker. Yeah. Um. So then Hope steals him away and... and well, th- well be- before, okay. <coughs> before that, he, like, has a vision of hope's mom oh and it's like he almost says like it's like he has a dream and it's like i feel like i maybe like i was her or something like that I so he calls part. her and then she she bas- she kidnaps him and he's like oh my gosh i am under house arrest you can't do this and you find out that they put his ankle thing on an ant and they made the ant human size not and enough ant ta- ant time pro- program I- it to act like him 
which I don't know. I'm like, for a movie that's so obsessed with science, it's like, can you just either be like too crazy or like not crazy? Because you don't, it's like the movie's so obsessed with science and then there's an ant walking around his house pretending to be him. Like pick a lane, Michael. I would prefer prefer them to just go all out. I would all like the all out because it's a Marvel movie. Have fun. That's that's what I would say. But I'm like, Even if you're Iron gonna Man, go to that level, like go to that level yeah. and stop wasting time on like making it realistic. If I want hard science, I will watch Interstellar. Yeah, or The Martian. Yeah, you know, uh, well, but, or not. But yeah, I don't want to watch that again. But uh there's the quantum so, machine so he, <laughs> yeah so she kidnaps him because it's like oh now you now you're useful you can help us because apparently you know where my mom is mm-hmm. so then they try to explain to him this quantum stuff and there is a little bit of a joke where he's like huh english please <laughs> and you they it's like they're still explaining it though as if you're supposed to understand and you're just like don't know yeah so then but you do find out they need this part or whatever so then they meet walton goggins well but but before that one one thing that i want to (laughs) add is that when when he's relaying the memory of him like he has this memory of being hope's mom and he sees her hide in a wardrobe and hope starts like crying and michael douglas is kind of crying and they're like wait so you saw her and and then hope goes was it was it a was it a wardrobe I hid in? And he goes, yeah, it was a wardrobe. And she goes, was the was it red? And he goes, yeah. And then she says, that's where I hid every time we played hide-and-seek, which means Hope is the worst hide-and-seek player in the world. Or she just likes to get caught. <laughs> and it's just stuff like that where it's like, that's couldn't you have thought of something... El- I, again, we've I've said this a thousand times on this podcast. I don't like being nitpicky about like plot elements, but that's just bad writing. Do you think it's not very original? No, no, I I think that's fine. It's just like why couldn't you think of something more specific besides her always hiding in the same place during hide and seek? That's stupid. This character's an idiot. Like I just find that to be so dumb. I and because you, I, I dislike the movie so much, yeah. I'm like I pick up on that more. I think you can spin it to. Yeah, she always hid there, and her mom always knew to look there, and that was the fun of it. That was like a a bonding. It was the bonding moment every time between her and her mom, where it's like, "Honey, I'll always be there for you and find you." And then in this movie, she has to find her. She has to find her mom. Her mom's playing hide and seek. This yeah. is real. This is a real revelation I'm happening. I'm having. Yeah. Well, the movie's still bad. Kind of, kind of like when uh, the opposite team scores. Boo okay press ahead they have to go meet walton goggins because he he's a technology trader yeah which is like and he's cool he does a good performance yeah in the movie. job sounds just not that fun would love to see him in future movies sure yeah so he yada 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 <laughs> uh you know she's like i want this and he's like okay you have to do this for it i don't want to do it okay i guess you're not gonna get it but still give me the money and she's like i'm not doing anything now but i'm gonna take this briefcase i don't mean to have that voice to sound like an annoying girl i'm just oh. doing an annoying <laughs> voice um so then there's this fight fighting his minions and then fight's that's- pretty decent they're, sure, they're using their powers in well, fun ways. She that's goes into the I kitchen like. and she's small and it's cool. Yeah. That stuff's cool. And and I turn to Jordan and I'm like, why can't the movie be this? The whole time. That'd be great. It'd be cool too if like, think about an entire movie. Because like in the throughout this movie, Ant-Man's suit is kind of broken mm-hmm. and he can't totally control it. Just yeah. Like an, a, an entire movie where it's Honey, I Shrunk Ant-Man. 
See, that's my other pitch for the movie is like, what what if they like come on house arrest? I'm making this up on the spot, and they're like, where is where is the guy? He must have escaped, and he's like little, and he's stuck in his own house the whole movie. That's the plot of the movie, and he's just trying to like get big again so he can get off house arrest. What if that was the movie? I would love it. <laughs> like, I would love it because we've already. I mean, th- my opinion, my opinion. Yeah, I've already expressed like I want this movie to be fun. Yeah, we, we have a lot of really intense ones, <laughs> and those are amazing. But we have Guardians, which are s- equally intense as it is funny. Yes. This movie can just be funny. Why can't it just be funny? Imagine he's stuck in he's he's stuck in the carpet. You're telling me there's not a comic issue where that's the the, the I'm story? sure there there's probably a whole run where it's like Ant-Man just stuck in like a park. Yeah. You know, like that would be fun. Yeah. This movie's not fun. No. So they have their fight and all that crap. Um, that's when the ghost comes in and they were like what is this thing i don't know what this thing is cool design costume as you amazing i was like actually excited to see this movie because in the trailers i was like that villain looks so cool yeah probably the worst villain worse than helen helen helena hella hella yeah worse than hella and thor and yeah surprisingly by a long shot Oh, because yeah. I really didn't like Hella. Oh yeah, hey, she's better in this one. <laughs> so does she steal the part? I think she, she steals the, the part. briefcase, and then they go to Lawrence Fishburne, and you find out that Michael Douglas and Lawrence Fishburne used to hang out together and do science stuff, and then they had a huge falling out. Yeah, literally huge because he got really big, Goliath. Anyway, oh. um, then I don't even remember why they go there. They just need help, like tracking something. Maybe like he can find a part for them or something. And then th- then they have to go get Ant-Man's suit, which his daughter has, and he goes to school, and he gets shrunk to kid size. I'm talking to Ant-Man. That part, again, I'm like, why isn't the movie this? This is really funny. He's a yeah. little kid in a sweatshirt size, and Hope's like laughing at him. Classic Adam Sandler hijinks. Yeah, that's funny stuff. Just kidding. Um, And then we find Ghost Girl's house, and she's in like... find out like, Lawrence uh, Fishburne has been like... Like Helping science, her? science dad. He's been her science dad because you find out in just a terrible flashback that's just not really interesting. Bad it's just flashback. not interesting. Where she, her dad was some scientist and he did something and it blew up and all this. It basically, it, it just spread her atoms apart. So she can't totally be, she can't totally be whole. And it's just, the older she's getting, the worse it's going to be until it sounds like she'll just be nothing. Yeah. Something I don't really like know. That. Um, and so she's, trying like Lawrence Fishburne thinks that he can help her and fix her. Mm-hmm. So that's what their motive is. Don't care. Mostly because she is such a bad actress. At least in this movie, such a bad job. Like the, her choices are really weird. So bad and not weird. Cool. No. And but, I think she's going for that. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh my gosh. Cause it's like, you can think, we do like, another take please. She, why can't she just be tortured? Like she's an orphan and she's her atoms are splitting apart or something. Yeah. And, but instead like when she captured hope, Hank and Paul Rudd <laughs> and Paul Rudd wakes up and she's just kind of like being a little like not what's the right word. She's just like smiling and like being menacing and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, why can't you just be tortured? Yeah. Pick and a lane. Not talk so much. Pick a lane. The ty- that's what this series should be called. Pick a lane. The Ant Man series. Yeah. Um. 
Then they there's something with like truth serum and there's jokes about truth serum. I, I thought those were funny. And those were funny. That's and one they, of the they rare did a funny classic parts. Michael Pena talking really fast and they go back in time with that stuff. Because they did in the first movie, right? Yeah, and that's great. Funny. That's great. Yeah. Um then there's the part where I, I mean, I know we're skipping stuff, people, but I'm just so uninterested in this movie. Um but there's the part where uh Janet, who's Michelle Pfeiffer, like is inside Paul Rudd. Yeah. When they're trying to get into the quantum realm. Yeah. I hate that scene. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I hate that scene. Yeah. It it doesn't really make sense either. I don't know. The, the quantum connection is like, what? Uh, what? I don't. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It, it's why, just such why, a, oh, it's such it a script thing. Is the only reason because, you know, she can go into him is because in the first movie he went into the quantum realm. That's briefly. what they said. Okay. But it's it's one of those like, you know, when when we rewatch Guardians one, you're like, oh, they kind of like planted the dad stuff, but it's really natural to the story. Uh-huh. This one's it's like they watch Ant Man and they're like, oh, that's kind of sort of a connection. Let's just contrive it in the plot and make it worse. Yeah, it's stuff like that where it's like they could just, I don't know, they could just go in and try and find her. Yeah, or he could have seen her when he was in the quantum realm, and that's it. I, I don't know. This visions thing is stupid, dumb. Um, uh, FBI raids again. Oh, and that's funny because Paul Rudd's ex-wife or girlfriend, I actually never know if they were married or not. They were married, I think. Oh, I don't know. But Judy Greer, professional person who shows up for five minutes in a movie. Um, she... It's just funny because her her role this entire movie is FBI shows up and it's like, you have no right to be here. This is like evasion of privacy. And it's like, um, lady, this is exactly their within their rights. They couldn't be more within their rights. It's actually like a constitutional thing. They could do this. Yeah. So it's just like clear, like just don't put her in the movie if you yeah. have, if you had nothing to, for her to do. Because now she just looks whiny, and it's like we don't need another whiny girl <laughs> in a movie. So just don't put her in it. Yeah. And they they huge missed opportunity too. Like I said when we were watching it. What's that guy's <laughs> name again? Bobby something. Her boyfriend husband whatever just love him he's he's so, such a great actor he's such a great actor he's so he's funny didn't he's use funny. it he wasn't funny this movie because he was maybe had two lines so it was just like how come you didn't use him way more yeah and not like in the whole movie but just like more than two lines you have yeah, him, he's, he's so great use him i mean isn't, isn't he the guy in the other guys who says you shot jader yeah i'm pretty sure He's great. He's also I love in that Itanya. guy. He's mm-hmm. in a great role in Itanya. Yeah, he's super. Well, good. He probably filmed in like a day. Yeah, but probably. it's awesome. Uh, then Hope and Hank are arrested, and then Scott breaks him out, and it's like, oh, now they're friends again because Scott helped him, and then they have a ghost fight. And this is when they have two only two hours to get Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, that's a very short amount of time for the situation that they got themselves into. Right. And again, it's the reason that they have to get her in that time frame is because um, the contrived script made them do it in you know that what time I frame. Don't understand, and I think it's because they got really like scientific about it. So we're we're well into third act. Yeah, Hank goes. He makes him. He makes his way into quantum realm, and we know that he like he makes his way into quantum realm. <laughs> Hope and Paul Rudd need to like get him out of it. Like they have to be there to like push a button. Yeah, yeah. So we know that, but meanwhile ghost girl is like there and she's about to do something i don't know what it is but apparently whatever it will do will kill michelle pfeiffer 
don't know how don't know why i guess you're just asking me to trust you which i have i am not i haven't trusted you since the, like the beginning of this movie because i don't understand how any of it works yeah also it's just like who cares that she's here that like hank meeting getting michelle pfeiffer and bringing her back that's dramatic enough i mm-hmm. think yeah so why do we need this element in it and then <sighs> yeah. they're more giant ants though in that scene i'm into that <laughs> um but so like she's doing something and then hope and paul rudd show up and like stop her and then wait hank, who who do they stop i'm sorry the ghost girl oh yeah and yeah, then yeah. hank and michelle pfeiffer make it back and then michelle pfeiffer goes up to the ghost girl and is like you were in so much pain and i recognize that let me touch you and make you feel better and it's like what it's like okay michelle i got a couple questions for you now you have been in this quantum realm okay so apparently from what i understand in this quantum realm and the universe of marvel yes let's hit this hard like that time is not the same as our time no one experiences time in the same way as we're experiencing it right now we know that because in endgame paul rudd was only in the quantum realm for five hours and it had been five years yeah so an hour a year now maybe that's not a hard and fast rule for everyone maybe it's not but no but there's something weird it's you know it's been like let's say 20 30 or 25 years She's been in here. It yeah. looks like she aged 25 years because mm-hmm. she, you know, to serve the story, she needs to, to continue to be as old as Hank so that they can still be married and she can still be in the series. Which doesn't make any sense. Why couldn't she be the same age or like older, like way older than him? Like she could be way older than him and still be alive. Another thing I don't get. How come she goes in there in her suit, Quantum Realm, and we go into the Quantum Realm, people, because Hank goes in there and we follow him. Quantum and Realm is one of the few visually cool things in the great, movie. Like it a but lot. Because it's the Quantum Realm and it's not our universe and our reality, mm-hmm. how come she's wearing like uh, a robe? A survivalist ripped up robe? Where did she, she find that? that? In the Quantum Realm. And she's still like, I think she might still be in her suit, although I don't really, I'm not really sure. Did she? No, her suit looked kind of her, like does her the suit wasp. Come equipped with survivalist no no and i wouldn't buy it if they told me that also this is just a this is very nitpicky what i'm about to say but she's still her hair looks great Mm -hmm. it's also for some reason like if she's aged in 25 years and she's in the quantum realm how does she get it to look that great still yeah how come she has makeup on uh yeah i don't get it and i know i know that part of it is pretty it's pretty nitpicky it's like but but it's like it's like watching uh, a fantasy like like a medieval movie and everyone's teeth are clean well it, it and it's it's also that thing when like you, you know in a movie when a character like for example uh, i don't know that this is in a movie but i'm just gonna say brad pitt like walks up to someone after being in a fight and he looks exactly like brad pitt looks and they're like oh man you look tired and really worn out and you're like what yeah i've never looked that good in my life yeah i hate in movies when like they should look worn down even, and and I, I think I, a lot of times, this is my own theory. Yeah. I think a lot of times the actors are not willing to look that bad. Oh, on totally. Screen. Well, that's why it's always like, and I know we're not talking to this degree, but it's like, oh, she went ugly for the role. We're not, we're not <laughs> yeah. talking about that, but we're talking about, please like give us a little bit of practicality. So if her hair still looks nice, although it's a different colored hair, she still has makeup on whatever, but shouldn't that mean like maybe it's only been three hours? Yeah. Or what if what if it's um what if it's like Mad Max 
where Charlie Theron looks pretty rough, but she looks pretty cool. Yeah. In the whole also, movie. Or maybe if she's supposed to look nice, maybe there's a reason for it. Like in Mad Max, those girls look really good. Well, so but it's because like, they is, are symbolizing purity. Are you telling me that in the quantum realm, there is a place to go get your hair done and <laughs> buy makeup and eat food? Well, they have a, eat food? They do it's have been a, 25 years, so apparently she's been su- sustaining herself on something. But Jordan, they do have an Ulta and a Burger King inside the uh, quantum realm. Well, fine. Let's just end the podcast right now then. But uh, what we do need to talk about is there is a car chase scene where they do use the mechanics of like people getting big and small. That stuff is cool. Once again, I think I wish the whole movie was this. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. And Stan Lee has a car that shrinks in front of him, and he says man, the 60s were fun, but it's starting to take a toll or something like that. Pretty dang funny. Great cameo. Really good cameo. And then the best part of the movie, you'll have to listen to our other episode to hear us talk all about it, but Tim Heidecker is in this movie for two shots, and he is the whale man, and he has a whale boat, and the movie gets a pass because they had Tim Heidecker in it to... (laughs) to, to continue their whole uh, on-cinema oh, craziness. Oh, they can keep making these movies if it serves the on-cinema universe. Yeah, they need to get Mark Proach in the third one. That yes, would that be would the best be thing. Unbelievable. And then when they get Mark Proach, they have to get Dekar bandmates Oh, in my it. gosh. And then Joe Estevez. He should be, a, he should be a main character. <laughs> like, he should actually be the president in one of the movies. <laughs> that would be great. Like an alternate universe? Yeah. But... um. Yeah, and and uh, after the movie, Tim Heidecker posted a bunch of um, screen caps of a Whale Man 2020 movie and how <laughs> Marvel had decided to go forward with Whale Man movies, spinoff movies. Um, so that's kind of the movie, right? I mean, is there is there anything else in this movie? Right about the Flash. That's okay. Um, yeah, I got nothing else. I mean, he gets really big, and his heart almost fails, and then. That's kind of it. Yep. And then they go into the quantum realm, or he goes into the quantum realm, and they all turn to dust, setting us up for Endgame, which is really the only scene you need to watch in this movie. Yep. Um, and even that, you, you don't even need to watch it. You can just see Endgame, and you'll be like, okay, I figured. Yep. Okay. Um, really hard pass for me. I do not like this movie. This is my least favorite of every movie. It's worse than The Incredible Hulk. Hulk I would is, rather watch Hulk. Hulk is entertaining. And Hulk has something to latch on to, at least for the yeah. first two thirds of the movie. Yeah. You're like, I kinda, this is kind of interesting, even though it's cheesy and bad. Yeah, You're like, totally. It's kind of interesting. This is just middle of the road, mediocrity, like studio and filmmaking. I think this movie solidifies um, what I think about Michelle Pfeiffer as an actress, because we talked about this. Oh, this is a hot take. We're... Every time I hear that she's going to be in a movie, I'm pretty excited. Not, not I, like it's just like cool. I like Michelle Pfeiffer, but I was thinking about it, and every movie I've seen her in, she's always a she's mostly a dud. So I'm like, where did I? What movie did I see that she was in it that I really liked? Yeah, I don't really like her. I guess I maybe I should have looked through her filmography because it's like I don't think I like her that much. I definitely don't. She's confusing, but- and she's Catwoman. Yeah, and and everyone says that performance is so good, but we we rewatched that movie this year, and I don't think her performance is very good. That movie is just so outrageous. It's insane. Everyone's performance is just blinded by how outrageous just the movie is. It's only better than this movie because it at least tries to do some interesting oh, stuff, would, even though it kind of sucks. I would love to rewatch that movie every time over this movie. Oh yeah, and that that movie is it's a not a great movie, 
but it's like still i think it's still kind of fun yeah it is it is fun you, you know what's funny too is so we i remember when we decided to start this podcast about a year ago we were like okay what are we gonna start with and you were like we gotta do marvel and i'm like okay you're right because that kind of sets the format of what we're gonna do but I remember we both talked about, we were like, you know, that means one of these days we're going to have to rewatch Ant-Man and the Wasp and Ant-Man. Yeah. We watched it, but we finally got here. We, we, we made it through the crud. Yeah. And so. I, <sighs> yeah. We talked thoroughly about it. It's bad. I, it's bad. I think this is actually one of our better episodes just because uh, you get to hear us like railing on a movie. Well, I didn't, I mean, the, the good thing about not liking something like, and in, in terms of this format, it's like, don't just talk about why you think it's bad. Don't just say it's bad. It's like, what well, sometimes it's more interesting to talk about what you think is bad because sometimes you, you're like, this is how you fix it. Yeah. Sometimes that's more fun to talk about it, talk about than a movie you really liked. Yeah. So anyway, Peyton Reed listened to this and Peyton, if you do listen to it, like great job and we'd love to have you on the pod and we'll rescind everything we said if you want to guest star I on the ant-man ground if you want to guest star on ant-man 3 i stand my ground Peyton, but would love to talk to you it would be it wouldn't it be cool if this ever did get big enough where we could have like someone who is like directed a movie i would or something like that like a big movie like i wouldn't even know what to do i would be, be so, so cool. scared i'd be so scared what if it just became normal though i i don't know i mean I've inter- I've interviewed one famous person in my life, and that was so scary. Who was it? Nick Offerman. Yeah, on the phone. One of the nicest people I've ever talked to, <laughs> but I was so scared. Well, we did. Um, I, I'm not going to tell spoil it, but um, when we start our next series, we do have a guest who's actually a friend of ours, but he has some expertise in the field of what the movie is. So. Um, we we are going to have our first guest here in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, Thanks for listening to us yell a lot. And rate, we hope, review, subscribe. We hope that you got something out of it. Yeah, and I share hope with so. your friends whether or not they like Marvel, because if they like movies, they're going to like the podcast. Like, like talking about movies, and maybe they like to listen to people talking about it. Yeah this this was a good one. This was fun. Uh, next week is Captain Marvel. Yes. Bye.